0: It's good to be here today with you guys, and I'm excited uh, to be able to share this uh, sermon with you, and uh, we're gonna be wrapping up our series on the book of 1 John, which has been a great series. Um, the book of 1 John is, uh, uh, honestly, a little bit of a frustrating book to read. Um, if you've, I hope you've had taken the time throughout this series to read through it. Um, you know, I have a, a, a somewhat controversial uh, opinion about the Bible, which is that I think there's some verses that are better than others, right? And, um, you know, we kind, of, you kind of, if you think about like reading through the Bible like a long hike, you kind of have these low points where it's like don't eat bugs or such and such is the son of such and such. They're not really the top, top verses. But then you also have these high peaks, these verses that you're just like, how is it possible, even through the Holy Spirit, that someone could write this? So, First John is the book that has, uh, you know, some of these verses that are these just unbelievable high points of the scriptures that just, you know, that elevate our minds and our spirits up to a place that you just can't imagine. So, for example, in First John three one, we have this verse: "See what great love God, love the Father, has lavished on us." that we should be called children of God. You know, you know, we're used to that because we've heard that verse a lot of times, but what an unbelievable thing to say. See the, the greatness of the love of God that we should be called the children of God. Or how about this one? Uh, 1 John 4.10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That, that is love, right? You know, there's not, nothing that we could say, I'm going to muster up, oh, well, I need to just love God more. Now look at how God loved us uh, to send Jesus for us, atoning sacrifice for us. Or, or, or how about this goodie? 1 John 4, 16, God is love. One of the crowning statements of Scripture, so if you look in these verses, you know as we're reading through 1 John, you, there's these recurring themes. So in these three verses that I just read, I'm sure somebody can pick up on what is the big theme that's in those three verses. If somebody just wanna shout it out. Love. Love, okay, all right. So I need a volunteer uh, to come up. I have, a, I have some props this morning. I have a, need a volunteer to come up, stand up here and hold this. All right, somebody young at heart. It could be an actual kid if you want. Or it could be somebody who's 90, that'd be fine too. All right, Julia, I knew I could count on you. All right, perfect. All right, so just just hang tight, but you're going to have an important role to do soon, all right? All right, uh, so I want to point out uh, some other subjects that John talks about a lot in his letter, which are, uh, you know, major themes. Um, so I'm going to need a volunteer to come up and hold another sign. I need another volunteer. This person will be right in the middle. All right, come on up. You're right in the middle. You're going to be right here. All right, great. All right. Righteousness. All right. In 1 John, he talks about this a lot. All right. Uh, so the first is love. The second is righteousness or obeying God's commands. All right. John is quite strong in his letter on the importance of lived out righteousness, even to the point where he can easily be misunderstood as legalistic. So, for example, we've got 1 John one8 and 9. Another amazing verse that hopefully we've all memorized. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay. And then we've got this kind of intense verse. First John has a lot of these. He's, the, the, all, John is very serious about obedience to God and righteousness. This is, how, this is First John 3.10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. So we see in there this very high calling to a very high standard of righteousness, and also in there we see love again, right? So wave them both a little bit. We both sides just a little. Perfect. All right, good. All right. Um, So that's the theme of righteousness, all right? And there are many other verses Along these lines, John is very serious about doing good and not doing evil. So the third major subject I want to point out in First John is belief. All right, so who's going to hold this one? Come on. Somebody, somebody. All right, great, Michelle. I knew I could count on you. All right, no need to run. No need to run. They'll just wait. All right, great. So now you know who the three most courageous people in our church are. All right. Uh, this is about belief, a third major theme of the book of First John. All right, First John four fifteen: If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. <laughs> right. Or we've got 1 John five one to two, which we talked about last week. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. So you can see as it, right in this just just one verse an example, all right? So I'm going to read through it real slowly and when it's your turn, you know, I'm going to maybe I'll tap you on the head. You wave your wave your sign, all right? So everyone who believes, wave that sign a little bit. All right, <laughs> believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves, hold up a little higher, Julia, you can do it. All right, good. Loves the father, loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love, all right? The children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. I oh, don't know, righteousness, <laughs> Believers at the beginning. Did I mix it up? Yeah. All right, sorry. You got the point. You know how it was supposed to go. All right. So here we see all three of these themes together. Love, righteousness, and belief working together in the same verse. All right, so now here comes the hard part, all right, you guys. So John doesn't only talk about the presence and goodness and necessity of these things, but he also talks about the result of their absence or, of the, or if the opposite of this is present. So for example, just hide the love sign. Just put it down so no one can see it. There you go. All right, so for example... He says that anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates his brother or sister, is in darkness. So if love is missing, even if you think you have these other two, it's not happening. Right? All right, now put love back up. All right, and let's put down righteousness. All right, good. He also says uh, that whoever says, I know Jesus, but does not do what Jesus commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. All right? So, all right, now, bring it back. We want righteousness back. All right. Now, Michelle, you know what to do. All right. Uh, John also discusses those who, instead of believing, deny Jesus. He calls such persons antichrists and warns his readers not to be led astray by them, but instead to find their security in Christ, recognizing such security how? By their love and by their righteousness or their obedience, right? right. Okay, so now raise all three signs up nice and high. You're almost done. All right, and we're going to go uh, to this verse here and read this uh, together, which we already read. So it's the whole congregation. We're going to read it out loud. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God. And carrying out his commands. All right, let's give the volunteers a hand. You guys did really good, here you go. I'll take the sign. All right, thank you, thank you. All right, my uh, daughter Allie and I worked together to make these signs, so I'm really happy how they turned out. Um, All right. So I wanted to start by reviewing these major themes from 1 John to help us get in the right mindset to process through these last nine verses uh, of chapter five, um, so our strategy for talking about this, we're gonna um, we're just gonna kind of go through these verse by verse, break down what John is trying to say in these verses because some of it can be a little bit uh, confusing, and then we're gonna save a little time at the end to take a to slow down and take a little bit of a contemplation about the very last verse of the book, which is a very important verse. So let's pray, and then we'll start going through those verses. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the way that it speaks to us again and again, uh, and throughout all ages and times, and whatever place we are in life, or whatever uh, time we are in life, um, whatever uh, joys we're going through, or whatever uh, pain we're suffering, Lord, that Your Scriptures always have something to say to us. And Lord, I ask this morning that You would quiet our hearts, help us to put our minds in this um, in this state of belief in You, love for You and for one another, and a desire for righteousness. Uh, and Help us to sort of have our minds in that place so that we're ready to hear from your word, ready to respond in faith and ready to put into practice what you have taught us through your word. And I uh, pray that you'd help me to convey the message adequately and um, for us all together to join in following and obeying you. I ask in Jesus name, amen. Okay. so we're going to be looking at first uh, John five. Uh, Chat from verse 13 to 21, if you want to grab your Bible uh, and take a look there. But I'm going to have all the verses on the screen. Okay. We're just going to look at it section by section. So, um, the first is, uh, we'll look at verses 13 to 15. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Okay, so first, if you think about our signs, which our brave volunteers held up, we see two of those signs very clearly expressed in this verse, the first being belief. Uh, whoever believes, um, but then we also, you know, know that since John keeps coming back to these themes, that the other two are right there, and we see righteousness in this verse in the idea of saying a praying according to God's will. Um, so John is reaffirming, first of all, just very simply, that those who believe have eternal life. Amen. Praise God that. Um, then he starts into this idea of approaching God. Uh, so if we just think about our own lives, how, what ways do we approach God? Uh, so the first two things that I think of are prayer, that we, uh, you know, we, we come to God, we come before the throne of God in prayer, and then I think about worship um, as the first, just the, the natural ways that we in our, in our day-to-day lives uh, approach God. Then he states that we have confidence if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So if you think about that phrase, ask according to his will, I I, I just, I'm looking for echoes of other verses as I look in that phrase. And some of them that come to my mind are from the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, if you think about praying according to his will. I also think about the, you know, from the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. You know, the idea that someone is praying for that righteous will of God and the expectation that they will be filled in that desire. It's a prayer for righteousness. And then he goes on to affirm that those kind of prayers are heard and are answered. So I think um, most of us are, If we might not necessarily be directly thinking about this verse we're probably used to hearing when we hear people pray that it's very common that someone will pray and they'll say something along the lines of you know if it be according to your will right or they'll say you know if it's your will please have this happen whatever and i think that is perfectly good thing to do and a good practice in prayer to be saying that Um, it's because it's a recognition of submission to God's will. And it kind of has built within that statement a, um, a desire to say, you know, that I'm going to accept what you do, uh, you know, according to what is your will. But I would encourage you to think about just a, another way of applying um, this teaching. And that is when you pray, first just be open-hearted before God and pray for what you want. You know, just, just ask for, you know, for what it is that you want and, you know, the, with just in you know, a loving spirit, with this confidence before him, right? And then, in addition to that, separately, also pray and ask God to make you want what he wants. <laughs> you know, like, just say, God, Work on me, work on my heart, work on my mind, make it so that what I want is what you want. you know. And then with the goal being of growing into a place where what God wants to do and what we want to, in prayer are the same thing. And we get to experience you know, that state of prayer not being so much a goal of, I'm going to go to God in a kind of an effort as if I'm going to try to sort of change God, but more going to prayer, saying, God, form me into what it is that you want and to what it is that you are planning and you are thinking. Um, So this is how we, we pray. You know, we put this into practice, praying for what we want and also praying for a Christian mind that wants what God wants. So, you know, if you're... If you're going into this, if you're going to try this later, which I hope that you do, going into prayer and saying, God, make me pray for what you want, right? And you want sort of like a hint to get started for what God wants. You know, you can think about this, this, right? And this. I wish I had a third hand. It's going to make this sermon a lot easier if I had a third hand. But those are sort of the hints that we have in this verse of the themes of what God is wanting and what we can pray for to align our prayers with his, with his will. Okay, let's move on to the next passage. If you see any brother or sister, this is starting at verse 16, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. That's clear, right? Uh, so, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I spent a fair amount of time preparing for this sermon. Uh, when, when Dave Allen first asked me, gave me these verses, I read through them, and I was like, oh, no. I'm not doing the sin that leads to death, sin that does not lead to death part. But I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. So I, uh, I, I, I spent some time reading some different commentaries, looking at different scholars uh, for them trying to unpack what is this sin that leads to death, sin that does not lead to death stuff all about. And here's the, there's kind of good news and bad news. The bad news is, The scholars all disagree about what this means. The good news is, that's okay. You know, they don't, they don't, that means they don't know. So if you don't know, you're exactly equal to them. The most learned people about this. Um, So, uh, what I think, but what they do agree, is about what the real main point or takeaway of the passage is. Which is, what should a Christian's response be to encountering sin. Right? Or or when someone sins. And the answer is to pray for them. Right? That's, I mean, that's clear. Aside from this question about, you know, well, I guess if the person's not dead, it wasn't the sin that leads to death. At least not yet. Right? So, pray for them. Right? Pray for them to believe. Pray that they would be with you know, that you'd be able to love them. Pray that the person would be turned from their sin and turned back into the path of righteousness. You know, this is how we can pray for the person. Now, now note what is not included. It does not say if you see a brother or sister commit a sin, be angry at them. It does not say that you need to that you need to straighten them out. Right. It does not say. You know, condemn them. It doesn't say, don't invite them to your Halloween party. Right? You know, it doesn't say any of those things. It says, pray them back into the kingdom. Right? Back into God's will. Um, and, that, and that makes sense. It's a perfectly logical uh, and right thing to do. Because I do not have the ability to change someone's heart. I don't have the ability to move someone to repentance. You know, I don't have the ability to make someone love what someone hates. right? I, just, I can't do that. But God can do that. So it would make sense that the, that the good and Christian response to seeing a brother or sister commit sin is to pray for them. And then, hopefully, uh, you know, I trust God that if a time comes up in my life or in your life where it becomes a crucial thing that we need to know to be able to explain this Sin unto death, sin not unto death, thing that God, that the Holy Spirit will make it clear to us on that day when we need to know that. And we can trust in Him that that would be His will. Okay. Let's move up on to the the next sign, the next uh, section. Okay. So, uh, this is starting at verse 18 and going through verse. uh, Is this right? Oh, yeah, I just have the uh, verse labeled wrong on the top. This is from uh, 18 to 20. All right. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Uh, The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ, who is the true God and eternal life. Okay, so if we still had our crew up here with the signs, they could steer us clearly through this passage, you know, because we would say, they know anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Righteousness, one of John's major themes, right? Right. And then we'd say, we know that we are children of God, belief, one of his major themes, right? And that the whole world's under control of the evil one. And we also know that the Son of God, that's belief in Jesus, has come and has given us understanding. So this is a verse, once again, near the very end of his book. He's almost ending the letter that John is reiterating these main points uh, of belief and righteousness, and then if you follow through the logic of his writing, he talks about we know that we are in him, and the way that we know that is by the love we have for one another. Uh, so all three of those elements, once again, present here in this verse, okay? So that brings us to the last verse of 1 John. I feel like I, I, I it's kind of weird, I'd, I'd rather do this like if we we're a small group, we could just be like, any questions? But no, we're just going to move on to the last verse, all right? Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. So let's just, everybody take a deep breath. We're just going to slow down, have a special meditation just on this idea. Keep yourself from idols. And then we'll be done. We'll move on uh, with the rest of our day and our worship. In the ancient world, there were many idols, and you know what they were, false gods invented by people, but worshipped as if they were gods. You know them, Baal, Zeus, Thor, Ares, Horus, Mercury, Venus, Marduk, Apollo, Moloch, all the old gang. They were, there were idols and false gods created that represented every type of thing that people want or everything that people fear. There were uh, gods of weather who brought rains on your crops when you pleased them, but sent floods and droughts when they were angry. There were gods of fertility who blessed your farm or your family with abundance, or who cursed with barrenness. There were gods of war who gave strength and courage in battle to whichever side pleased them more and most satisfied their bloodthirst. There were gods for every little thing. But with all those gods, hundreds, thousands of gods, there was never an idol to a god of self-sacrificing love. But it turns out that that's the only thing that the true God actually is. And it's the path of self-sacrificing love that he calls us to follow. The word for this is agape. So in 1 John, when he says love again and again, love, 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 he's talking about agape, the love uh, that suffers for the benefit of the beloved. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Another one of those high-peak verses. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Agape. The love that suffers for the sake of the beloved. So let's be careful of this. Sometimes the enemies of God will take some of the old idols off the shelf, arrogance, violence, war power, and they'll put Jesus' name tag on that idol. Um, And they'll see how many Christians will fall for it. And it's surprising how many of us do. The Jesus way is self-sacrificing love and obedience to Jesus' teachings. Beyond that, let's be careful and not go along with something or someone just because the Christian name is attached to it. Just because something or someone has the Christian name tag on it does not mean it's Christian. We need to look past the name tag and look for evidence of belief in Jesus Christ love like Jesus loved and righteousness according to Jesus' commands. In this way, we can heed the apostles' teaching and keep ourselves from idols. Amen? All right. Some of you aren't so sure. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, reveal to us any idols that we are following, particularly anything that is claiming to be Christian but is not. Spirit, change our hearts so that we want the same things that you want. God, you are light, and in you there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with you and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as you are in the light, We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. May these words be true and effective in each of our hearts. Amen.